Uh, new report that tracks the quality of life in Toronto points uh, to the fact that mental health um, may be something that we will be dealing with uh, as far as the impacts of for years to come when it comes to young people in the city. Toronto's foundations, uh, Toronto Foundation's 2021 Vital Signs Report is uh, the report that we're going to be talked about talking about right now with Sharon Avery. I deserve that. I jinxed myself by trying to be back give a backhanded compliment to Rob. So Sharon Avery is president and the CEO of Toronto Foundation. Let's get to this. What is the report based on? Well, it's not a new report. It is. It's the 18th Vital Signs Report Toronto Foundation has put out. We put them out every two years. Um, and they are, it is meant to measure the quality of life in Toronto. And it, it looks at it through sort of 10 lenses. But wellness is definitely the one that we need to talk about today. It is the one um, that I think all your listeners can relate to the most. Um, and it is connected actually to your pr- previous conversation of, uh, about income and wealth and the tension and stress that creates in people's lives. Um, and so I'm happy to talk about it uh, with you and your all your colleagues around you today. Yeah, you know, um, I, I understand that, that you, we've had calls throughout this pandemic, people really concerned about the young people in their lives, uh, whether they be their kids that are in high school or whether they be um, their kids that are in their 30s. So what does this annual report show about the impact of this pandemic on our mental health? Well, really, broadly speaking, it's pretty stark, um, and and the the numbers are pretty alarming, Kelly. Over 400,000 Torontonians are now struggling with mental health challenges. Three-quarters of the city tells us they are anxious. Um, Rates of depression are higher here than anywhere else in the country. So that's the broad picture, but those numbers are even more stark for our young people. And as you say, that that age range is quite broad. Um, when we talk about youth specifically, that's sort of 18 to 25. So it kind of straddles both the groups you just mentioned. Those young people are in a really dark place. They are feeling quite hopeless about their futures. They've lost, you know, 20% of their youth um, to this pandemic. And so the numbers really show it. Um, calls to 211 to get referral during a crisis are up 100% for youth. Um, suicide ideation, I think we've seen some of the numbers about suicide, actual suicide rates in Canada going down, which is something to celebrate. But in young people, just thinking about suicide has gone up an enormous amount. Pre-COVID, it was 3% of young people would think about suicide. Right now, it's 15%. So we have a crisis on our hands, and it is... It could turn into a serious um, uh, health system. You're cutting out a little bit, so I'm not sure if you're still with me, but I'm just curious on how much uh, some of this, the mental health issues can be. It seems like it's a really um, unimportant thing, but how much of it can be linked to not just the pandemic, but because of the pandemic, not being able to celebrate those milestones, those important milestones that we all reach and, you know, pass and that are part of parts of our lives. Do our kids feel or the younger people in our lives feel like they have been ripped off and it's hopeless because that time has passed and I can't go back there? 
I think it is a lot to do with isolation, uh, which is very much connected to that idea, Kelly, that they have feel disconnected. Are you hearing me better? Am I breaking Yes, I am. Mood? Absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, the, you know, it is connected to their sense of a uh, deep sense of isolation. It is connected to financial stress. Young mm-hmm. people lost jobs at a higher rate than anyone else. And then when you layer in racialized young people, it's even worse. So they're looking ahead to their futures. They're not thinking as much about today as they are wondering, what is the future look like for me? We have half of the youth in, in Toronto considering leaving the province because they feel it is just too expensive to live in the city. If you're already dealing with mental health challenges and you leave the province, you could be losing your support group. That's a scary proposition. Um, I know because I've moved across the country, uh, you know, throughout my career and you have to build a new friendship base. You know, you, you don't have that same connection to people immediately that, that know your, uh, history. So that's a big challenge is facing groups that would move away. It absolutely is. But they are also, you know, I think it's, it's when we talk about financial stability, it, you, it gives you a sense of how essential it is to young people to feel financially stable first. And I think they think they'll just figure the rest out later. Um, I think it's really important for us all to understand that pre-COVID, the mental health structures that support youth in this city were already overburdened. And so we do have to think long term. And I would really encourage your listeners to think about the fact that there are actually grassroots community organizations, to your point, Kelly, that make a big difference in quality of life for folks, recreational programs, cultural programs. These are things that connect youth back to um, their local neighborhood, to people that will provide a support network for them, and that can really benefit their mental health. And so beyond the, the traditional healthcare system, which is clearly essential to mental health, there are lots of things folks can be doing to support youth mental health at the neighborhood level just by donating to these small grassroots organizations. Yeah, and this affects us all because there is a cost to uh, helping people out with their uh, mental health issues throughout this pandemic and after the pandemic. I found it really interesting. Uh, one of the things I was reading was an expert saying that our bodies are equipped to go through traumatic experiences. And then when we feel the impact of that trauma has, uh, you know, when it, when it actually the trauma ends, we still feel that trauma like a PTSD after the experience. So one of the biggest challenges is that we have been in survival mode. And once things go back to normal, it doesn't mean that our mental health is going to springboard back to normal. We're still going to have challenges. Absolutely. It's a long tail that we don't know how long that's going to be. And then when you layer in the, the social justice conversation, we're having this racial reckoning when when so such an enormous part of the, the city is people of color who have, in addition to the health crisis they've been dealing with, have been facing um, racism on on the increase through the pandemic. That's an additional level of trauma. And then when you layer in financial instability, that's an additional layer of trauma. So I'm not, I'm bringing a real downer to you here, Kelly, but I'm hoping to really like get your listeners to understand that there is Thing, there are things that they can do there. They are needed right now by the young people of the city um, to step in, to support, to volunteer, to donate, um, to, to, to be ready for what is yet to come. We do not know what the long-term impacts of this are, but you're absolutely right. There is a, um, there is a long tail that's going to come out of the trauma of this experience for these young folks. 
So when we hear governments uh, putting money towards mental health, uh, you know, issues uh, and, and mental health programs, we, you know, we could be looking at it and saying, you know, th- this actually might be something that's going to have to come with a little more frequency as we uh, get out of this pandemic because uh, we have a big problem ahead of us possibly. We do. And age matters. Uh, and so if you look at the front end of the pandemic, you know, we we all, we all had this reckoning around long-term care. I think what we're going to see, po- well, is there going to be a post-pandemic, Kelly? I don't know. But uh, what we're going to see um, as we start to come out of this is that young people are the ones we're also going to have to prioritize. Um, you look at the election that we just went through, the words youth didn't come out very much, but mm-hmm. that is going to be an audience we have got to pay attention to. It's corny to say, but they are our future, and they are feeling very hopeless right now. Yeah, uh, I, I can see that. I mean, when you look at the cost of a house in Toronto uh and how high it's it's gotten in the GTA even outside Toronto it it doesn't look good for getting into the housing market jobs uh you know they're they're starting to we're working in a gig economy now where we have less full-time work we definitely have to make sure we're taking care of some of the systems that uh would lead to uh people getting even more hopeless as we move on boy it is a buzzkill in the morning isn't it talking about this but i think it's important But it is important. And it is. I mean, the thing is that if we can engage these young people and give them hope, then Mm -hmm. our future is bright. I mean, these are the young people who are going to be taking care of us. They are going to be driving the economy. We want to invest in this in this group for sure. And they're worth investing in for sure. Um, I'm going to leave it at that. Sharon, thank you so much for making uh, bringing the story attention and punctuating how important it is. And I think uh, we'll be talking about this again in the near future. Thanks so much, Kelly. Cheers. Sharon Avery is president and CEO of the Toronto Foundation.